Welcome into episode 53 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, what's going on, man? Uh, feeling a little bit richer this week. Uh, pockets are a little bit thicker, thanks to David Sisk's uh, Golf handicapping on here last week. Uh, did I'm up 3,300 after be, after betting on a uh, still can't pronounce his name. Uh, I'm gonna need Colin help Mor- Mor- Morikawa, I think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but 33 to one odds. Put 100 bucks on him. Put a 100 bucks on a couple other guys. But so I'm probably up around 3,000. But thanks to David, um, our sponsor from the last couple episodes, my bookie actually owes me three grand. So it's usually me paying them a few. Grand. <laughs> there you go. That's that. That's a good good clean living right there, David. Uh, can you say the same? Odds are, uh, I'm looking at the site now. Odds are even money that Travis Graff won't use profanity during the show. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I might take that. I think I think I might. Yeah, take I that. think so. I think those are bad odds. Yeah, I, I think I might take that. Um, well, David, how have you been? You good? Doing good. Doing good, man. Doing good. Just hey, I'm I'm here to serve. I'm just glad I can uh, uh, put a little money in Travis's pocket so he can spend it on his wife. That's good. That that's how that's how it should be right there. You just David handing out all these awesome bets and just giving out free money. That's that's good clean living right there. Uh, David, before we actually got on on this when we started recording, David was talking about how stressed he was and how real life is starting back for him. So if you have a you know a, a kind thought for David, send it his way. He's stressed out with the work, uh, but but. All work is good work right now. Get, can't complain. Hey, we're back in school, man. We're serving the kids. There you go. See, look at you serving the Kentucky basketball community and serving the children in your own community. That's just that's children and children and in the, the betting community. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, today we have yet another fun show planned. Plenty to talk about, both good and bad. Unfortunately, we'll start with Kenny Payne, which is the bad side of that. Taking the Knicks job, UK hiring Bruiser Flint as his replacement. The NCAA confirming that college basketball bubbles are on the table and that they're going to do whatever it takes to play a season this year and then uh, talk a little bit about Kentucky's recent interest in former Louisville commitment Bryce Hopkins which is uh, uh, that'll lead right into an interview with Bryce Hopkins coach um, to to tell you everything you need to know about the potential future Kentucky Wildcat if it gets to that point we'll see how that goes Uh, so first up we got to talk about the biggest and uh, most upsetting news for the Kentucky basketball world with Kenny Payne's departure. Um, I believe a couple weeks back, uh, there were some some reports that Kenny Payne was being kind of courted by the New York Knicks, and then uh, um, things kind of seemed to move rather quickly within the last week. We knew that an offer was officially on the table for him, and then this week he officially took it. Um, so right off the bat, let's just kind of talk about what his departure means to the program and uh, just, you know, do, how, how big of a hit is this going to be for Kentucky moving forward? Travis, I'll start with you. I think that eventually, I mean, it's going to be hit regardless right off the bat from a recruiting standpoint because I've talked to multiple recruits before and their dads have told me it's like when Kenny Payne or Cal is in the, in, is in the house, scouting a player they know like everybody turns and looks at the door they're like oh Kenny Payne's here Cal's here uh either one of those guys so his his name holds a lot of weight in the recruiting community 
and in the college basketball and basketball community as a whole in general. But I think where he's mostly going to be missed is you're, you're always going to get good players at Kentucky. Uh, that's been showed ever ever since Cal's been here. He's had a top two class, and until he doesn't have a top two class, I'm not going to predict that they won't. But I think where he, he will be missed mostly is the player development side is he got sophomore P.J. Washington. Uh, once P.J. transformed his body, he got go-to post move. He got perimeter work going um, along with some other uh, P.J.'s trainers. Nick Richards had a had a big uh, big jump. Those are a couple in the recent years. But throughout Cal's history, it's like if you see a big man with like a right hand over left shoulder jump hook or if he's a lefty going right – oh, left hand over right hand jump hook, that's a staple of Kenny Payne. That's – he develops one go-to move as soon as they get on campus. He teaches them how to be defensive acres. He teaches them how to be a big man. Because a lot of these bigs, it's like Carl Anthony Towns didn't know how to play as a big man in high school. He played as a guard, essentially. He was just big. And every if you talk – like Kyle, Kyle Tucker's interviewed all these, all these players and their dads. If you read anything he says, anything – any quotes from any former player on Kenny Payne, it's – nothing but glowing reviews and he seems like an awesome guy to boot david do you think this is going to hurt kentucky worse uh in on from a recruiting standpoint or from a development standpoint where do you think this loss is going to be felt the most well it's it's hard to say because you know he was so good on both ends um i talked i did a story last night um came out this morning and I talked to uh, three power five coaches, a Kentucky, a current Kentucky player's parent and a recruits parent. And everybody was like, you know, it's uh, it's a tough blow, but Kentucky will be fine. Uh, you know, there's a good staff there and the, uh, player's parent told me that he left a lot of mentors so he wasn't worried about his son being there at all about Kenny although he hated to see him go uh but one coach told me he said you know you hear a lot about a coach he's either a really good recruiter or he's a really good on the player development front and on a bench he said you rarely see you you see an assistant coach and we can all think of him you see this guy and go man he's good with the players you see this guy Man, he's a really good recruiter. He said that Kenny Payne was top of the line on both ends. So there's not many of them. I, I think Kentucky, you can't say – another guy told me, he said, yeah, you could say Kentucky recruits himself, but he said that's not fair to John Calipari. And he just gushed. This was a Big Ten coach. And he just gushed about how good John Calipari is. His words were legendary, uh, uh, just – he, he considered him really the face of college basketball. Uh, and so, you know, Kenny Payne, one of the top assistant coaches anywhere. The New York Knicks wouldn't have been after him if he wasn't. And the New York Knicks didn't bring him in to recruit. They brought him in to work with guys. And uh, and, and one thing I, I kept coming over and over was how good he is with players behind the scenes. And he talked about the recruiting. He said, yeah, he can recruit. But it's important uh, that you're there for them uh, once you get them on campus. And he said that's what Kenny Payne was so good at. So 
I think he's Kentucky's going to be fine, but man, those are big shoes to fill on each spot. So I can't necessarily say one's going to be missed more than the other because I think he's good at everything. Now, something you brought up, David, that I that I forgot to say that we did a roundtable yesterday at Cats Illustrated talking about what it means for him to be gone, and you're talking about what he's like behind the scenes on campus. Something that, like you said, there's there's been multiple people that I've talked to throughout his time in Kentucky that say that he's pretty much like a father figure to them at their second home in Lexington, away from their original home, wherever they're from. From UK recruits players from all over uh, the United States, and then they come in and feel comfortable under Kenny. And I think one thing too, I think Kenny was like a buffer and you guys may know more than I do. You were at Kentucky home games last year. I'm watching them on TV. Uh, so you guys would know more, but you know, we all know coach Cal can be rough around the edges. Uh, uh, he's, he coaches them hard. He's confrontational coach. He's a tough love coach. And I know for my days in it, assistant coach was always the guy who kind of got there in between and said, hey, don't listen to how he says it. Just listen to what the, what the meaning is behind it, you know, how he wants you to get better. Uh, and I think Kenny Payne was a guy who uh, served as a buffer between that, between Coach Cal really getting on them and uh, the reasoning behind it. Yeah, I mean, on that note, I mean – you, you saw you know when Coach Kyle got ejected, the first man up was always Kenny Payne. He was the guy that would kind of take the reins to close out games. And, uh, you know, post-game press conferences, it was an ugly loss. Sometimes uh, Coach Kyle would just send KP out there to kind of, you know, ease the tension of the of the media, the fans, all that stuff, while Coach Kyle could kind of, you know, be the be the guy to, 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 you know, take less of the heat and, you know, not say something stupid. He was kind of always the, the – crutch for coach Cal you know in just some of the worst moments overall so I mean that's that is going to be a a huge hit in in that sense but on that note why do you think that that the first job that he took after Kentucky ended up being an assistant job in the NBA versus what we all kind of expected uh you know him taking an a you know kind of a high major college coaching head uh, head coaching job David, do you know do you, why do you think uh, this is the this is the job that took him away from Kentucky? It may be to add to the resume because I think there's so much into the NBA background now. You know, um, um, let's face it. I think any blue blood program that hired a coach right now, whether it be Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, whoever, I think one of the first things they would look for is a guy, you know, a college coach, but has the NBA ties, you know, a, a Billy Donovan, uh, uh, Brad Stevens, you know, you always hear those names come up for, for those kind of openings. I think that just makes it more attractive in the recruiting circles that, hey, this guy, you know, he worked the player development in the NBA. So I, I think that's really big. And I, I go back to a, a coach, Mick Cronin. I remember – he was at Cincinnati with Bob Huggins for years. And he left Bob Huggins to go to Louisville with Rick Patino. And I was a big Bob Huggins guy. And I was, wasn't crazy about that move. And he said, look, I've got to show that I've got basketball uh, 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 on my resume outside of Bob Huggins of Cincinnati. I need to diversify here. So I just look at it kind of as diversica- diversification 
uh, that, you know, maybe more than that because I, I, I think it probably just makes him more attractive. But on that end, I can't believe – I mean, he's up in his – I guess up in his 50s. He's 50 I mean, right now. And if you think I, I, that if Cal stays here five more years, yeah. I mean, how good is that going to look on his resume, though, when at the same time, I mean, yeah, he has more experience, but – I mean, he's damn near, damn near 60 whenever he gets I, I think he's probably the next head coach at DePaul if this hire comes through at DePaul. I think – I don't even know. Are they still looking at hiring the, the guy from the Kentucky Athletic Department? Is Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Peavy. Uh, last I had heard uh, – what's the last update you had, Jack? I'm going to pull up the one that Justin posted. Well, just, just yesterday, I believe, he was named as one of two finalists for the job. So he is. Said that he interviewed. Justin said he interviewed and didn't come away with an offer, but was still under high high consideration. I I think that's what he said. So I mean, if I'm the DePaul head coach right now, I'm probably talking to a realtor. Uh, you know, if he gets hired. <laughs> so I, I just think, uh, you know, I, but I, I can't, I can't believe as successful and what a reputation he has, uh, and he has just. I mean. He's a Hall of Famer as far as assistant coaches go. He's been at Kentucky. He's been under Calipari. And he has not gotten an opportunity to be a head coach. I mean, you look at these guys from Duke and other places, they hire these Duke guys all the time. They go places and they struggle. And I, I just can't I just can't understand. You look at how many guys played under Dean Smith or in that Carolina system, two went on. In Jeff Lebo, Buzz Peterson, people like that in in the NCAA from uh, uh, the SEC from North Carolina that just just bottomed out when they got out on their own. I just can't believe that a guy in Calipari mode uh, at Kentucky, but is as good as he is and has head coaching credentials, uh, has not gotten hired. Well, see, the, my thing is, I'm looking. I'm trying to pull up the ten highest paid coaches in college basketball well his, his salary i mean he makes a pretty he was making a pretty good salary at kentucky i think it was nine hundred thousand dollars a yeah, year no, no, number one I mean, in america i mean for him to probably make more than that i don't i can only find like a top 10 list right now but i wonder um on i'm pulling it up for him to be actually yeah i mean yeah never mind the point i was gonna make was invalid because there's places like Seton Hall, Colorado, Oklahoma State, uh, VCU, places like that have their head coaching salary is kind of equivalent to what where he was at a little bit more. I was thinking that um, for some reason I was thinking that uh, Kenny got got paid more than he did, but so that points out the window. But, but uh, it, it's still fair. Yeah, that I mean, it's it, comparable at he, least. He wanted to go to a he wanted to go to a situation that really like he felt super comfortable with, cause I know somebody close to Kenny, like really, really, really close to Kenny. And a few months ago he said, I ain't leaving to go anywhere and talking about college. He said, I'm, I'm fine where I'm at. Like, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think he would have went anywhere outside of the, I don't think he would have went anywhere else besides Kentucky inside the college ranks. So but you look at, I'm sorry, but you look at the Knicks too, right quick with, uh, uh, World Wide West and, uh, Leon Rose and all that, you know, when when they were looking at being hired, remember the Calipari rumors, the, the Knicks were the ones flying around a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fit was obviously there. I mean, those are people running the show that he's com- comfortable with. So, Travis, we, you saw this in, in that our recruiting little group message last night, um, but 
I actually kind of randomly stumbled upon some pretty significant scoop, I think, uh, about why this move was made. And uh, I think it was it's pretty significant about the future of Kentucky basketball. So I was told late last night, um, you know, kind of just digging, trying to figure out, you know, why, just kind of the ins and outs of what this move meant and, you know, all that stuff kind of preparing for this show. And I was told that uh, I think – Kyle Tucker said this publicly, but just kind of hinted at it, but said that John Calipari pushed Kenny Payne to the Knicks, not necessarily saying we don't want you here anymore, obviously, but said, you know, vouch for him. The Knicks said, this is a guy you want, I promise you, because the end goal is for him to end up back at Kentucky as, as John Calipari's replacement when he retires in the next several years. I, I was told last night that, that John Calipari's – closer to retiring than most people expect um and i I know he says in his like goodbye tweets to kenny payne he said something along the lines of uh i I, you know i want to have a unique coaching staff for the next seven years here something kind of hinted that seven years was his what what he's aiming for for you know in the future and i think after seven years kenny payne would be 60 at that point so i think it'd be a little bit past i think coach cal 61 right now so i mean you'd be getting Cal makes it seven years no that's that's my point. I think I would the over under at three and a half. I think I would give him four or five more years at Kentucky, and I genuinely think I, that this is that this is a long term move for Kenny Payne to end up back at Kentucky. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I go the other way. I think he can. I, I just think to me he's energetic, and to me he's a young. He's a young sixty. I go back to football, and I'm talking about older guys, but. You know, Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno were the same age. Bobby Bowden looked 20 years younger than Joe Paterno. You say that. You say that. Come uh, fill my spot at the press box. Uh, come up, drive up to Kentucky, fill my spot in the press box, and then after a close win or a close loss after uh, at Rupp Arena, check out the press conference. See how he looks. <laughs> you think he looks young. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it looks like death sometimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> he looks yeah. like he's just – Distraught. Day one to when he got here originally versus where he is now, it's like I mean, I mean it's very very obvious that Kentucky. It looks like he's been a U.S. Him. president for like yeah. four times. <laughs> I mean, he kind of has. I mean, I know. <laughs> to me, he just look. He still looks like Swaggy Cow. I mean, oh, he, he needs is. to shave the gray beard and all that. He needs to shave it. But I mean, he just we're still we're still saying he looks good. I he think still he looks good. Go with the with the uh, Bob Huggins sweatsuit. Yeah, he does that for some, you know, these random big high-profile events. You know, he did that in the Bahamas, and you know, he sometimes he brings out swag. Doesn't he plays Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he does it for some from for, for some high-profile events. But I'm telling you, Kenny Payne was told to go explore his options. To yeah, go have fun, go you know, build your resume a little bit. You know, you can go be with with you know, Wild, World Wide West, Leon Rose. Go talk to your friends, enjoy the NBA life for a couple years before we're going to circle around back and, and snag you back up. So, I kind of felt after my conversations last night, felt more confident about the move currently, knowing what it meant for the future of Kentucky basketball. Because I will, I, I will. You know, go go to war for a dude like Kenny Payne. I'm a big, big fan. I, I think he would be a perfect fit at Kentucky long term. I think he just absolutely deserves a head coaching job. And you know, as as worrisome as it might be to take a chance on a guy that's never been a head coach uh, at a program like Kentucky, I think that is the type of dude that you do take that chance on because he is. I mean, I mean, he's Kenny Payne. He's he's a, a legendary coach. He's a Hall of Famer at his own at, at his position right now. And I think he's only going to get better working with the Knicks. You know, kind of just you know 
building his resume a little bit up, learn, learning how to build more NBA talent from NBA guys, and then heading back to Kentucky in a few more years. I think I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a long term positive for for the program if it comes to fruition that way. And uh, it, it definitely made me feel a little bit better about it. You know, I'm, I would be all for it because I've even tried to go back and think about, okay, if John Cal and we've had this discussion, if John Calipari stepped down, who would you want to see take over? And, you know, the, the two names really that come up are, would be Brad Stevens or Billy Donovan, the two we mentioned. Well, Billy Donovan's older than Kenny Payne uh, by about two years. Um, so – Billy, he, he's really getting entrenched now. He's done a really good job with Oklahoma City. I don't think either one of those guys leave. I mean, Brad Stevens signed another uh, extension, extension today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, remember we talked about Bruce Pearl even back – remember when after that game we were saying, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Pearl was really lobbying for the Kentucky job at the post-game press conference when we talked about how special Kentucky was. Well, He's only two years younger than Calipari, so that's no go. So I'm thinking about young, you know younger guys who could make it. Who would you like to see? Only guy I can think of is Will Wade. That's the only guy I'd want. So I don't know. We'd have a strong ass basketball team. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you think about his resources with what you could have at Kentucky. I'm telling you, man, that would be that'd be a strong ass basketball team right there. Without a doubt. And so if we if we can't have Will Wade, man, I'm going with Kenny Payne. Oh, good. Well, uh, with the negative news that Kenny Payne's leaving comes with uh, some other news that we need to, you know, we got to get some stuff off our chest, kind of go through this this decision and, and see what we think about it. And that is Indiana assistant Bruiser Flint reportedly taking the Kentucky job. I mean, it was within minutes as soon as Kenny Payne got a, got announced as the next. New York Nick uh, assistant Bruiser Flint was announced as the next uh, assistant at, at Kentucky, and uh, it was met. It was a decision that was met with, uh, to say, um, hmm, I don't even know the best word to describe it. It, it wasn't overly possible, you know, positive on Twitter. Uh, the 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 news of it, I think, overall, Kentucky fans wanted to see kind of a young, fresh you know, swaggy coach that could come in and kind of be that, you know, Kentucky got their chance to get bring in a guy, you know, equivalent to a Kim English at, at Tennessee or what Mike Miller brought into the program at Memphis, that young, you know, relatable guy to these up-and-coming recruits. It seemed like that would be the best fit for Kentucky. And then uh, right off the bat, K- Kentucky reportedly hires Bruiser Flint, who's John Calipari's longtime best friend was his assistant. I pulled up his little bio to, to read off. Um, he's been his best friend and assistant since uh, he worked with him from 1989 to 1996 until Coach Cal took the New York uh, New, Jer- New Jersey Nets head coaching job, um, including his three years at Indiana. He has had 30 years of coaching experience, spent 20 years as a Division Division One head coach, won 331 games. He was at Drexel from 01 to 2016, and then at UMass uh, before that from 1996 to, to 2001. He was named a Colonial Athletic Association Coach of the Year uh, four times, NABC District Coach of the Year four times as well. So he has a deep, deep, deep resume. But is this the fit for Kentucky, uh, Travis? I think so. I think that Cal Perry likes to – feel comfortable with who he has on staff. He doesn't like outsiders. He likes his circle. He likes his um, normal group of guys. And he and 
Flint is a guy that he can trust right from the jump. And here's a little here's something that somebody posted on Cats Illustrated, uh, one of the posters on the board said something that I found really interesting uh, yesterday that all, everybody's up in arms about who he recruited at Indiana. And people forget that Kenny Payne, when he was an assistant at Oregon from 04 to 2010 before joining Cal staff, they landed one top recruit in Malik Hairston, and the recruiting class was hovered in the 17 to uh, 25th national ranking range. So, Which is what I mean, Indiana is getting, yeah. That's yeah, so I mean, I'm not gonna write him off uh, completely as a non-threat on the recruiting trail, like some people are. But it's um, it's definitely like he, he, Cal Perry did not go out on a limb with his hire. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it could be a really good hire. I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, it's a high floor hire. I mean, That's, other guys yeah, can have higher ceilings, it. but I think you know what you're gonna get with Bruiser. And Cal Perry knows his work ethic, and apparently he's a great X's and O's defensive guy. And that's something Cal Perry's been harping on. And, I mean, UK's one step closer to Virginia at this, at this point. It's going to be defense and slow pace. It's been like that last couple of years. There you go. David, now, before we got on the – started recording, you were talking about how you talked to some other uh, Power 5 coaches and kind of gotten – you know, a, a, a kind of ca- cast a wide net for information on Bruiser. Um, just real quick, what did, what did you learn about him? And uh, should Kentucky fans be concerned or excited about this addition? I, I – Talk to different people on pain that I talked to about uh, Bruiser, but it was funny. Uh, you talked one second, you were talking to an individual, talked about what a great job pain did with relationships. And I would talk to somebody else, they would say, Man, Bruiser's great with the kids. He's great to get in there. He really built strong relationships with the players. So I was hearing different things. I said, You know, it just sounds a lot like Kenny Payne. Uh, so I think behind the scenes, what Kenny Payne brought, Bruce Flint's got a lot of that. Uh, he's a Calipari guy through and through. So I think like Payne did when players may be feeling the wrath, especially young players at Calipari, Bruiser understands all that. Uh, so I think that's a really strong strength. Uh, he, he's, uh, like you say, X's and O's was known as a defensive coach uh, uh, at Indiana at UMass. Uh, one individual told me, he said, "Yeah, I said he's got a lot of Kenny Payne in him." He said, "Probably not as much recruiting juice." Yeah. But I'm going to say this about him: uh, a guy who covers Indiana basketball. He's not a rivals writer, and nobody would know who he is uh, unless I said it. But I've, I've got a good relationship with him. And I asked him about two weeks ago when the name, when all this started floating around, I said, just what's your opinion? And he said, you know, he's not known as a recruiter in Indiana, uh, but he says, here's the thing about him. He's got a reputation as a straight shooter on the recruiting trail. He's not going to play games. He's not going to cheat. And so he's got a squeaky clean reputation. Uh, and I think that's important. I'm going to tell you why, because there's some people not thought about maybe, and I'm going to give you a different angle. I was talking to a real good buddy of mine who works for Rivals, covers basketball recruiting for an SEC team, and this head coach is is, is a uh, good friend with Calipari. And he said – he talked to the coach, and Ed talked about this, and he's convinced. He said, John Calipari doesn't cheat. He said, I think he's an honest recruiter. He said he uh, – he said, you can't coach the kids as hard as he coaches and 
cheap and pay. He said it would come back and bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds to me like Bruiser now, the John Calipari now, they kind of fit each other's mold. They kind of fit each other's mindset. And that's guys who I, I think want to do it. They're not going to cut any corners. You know, are going with these guys that go to extra mile and they expect the other players and, you know, are, are, are pretty tough hombres. When, when Travis, you, you know, we, I think we've, we've said this in, in our group message too, but Travis, you know, we've talked about this behind the scenes and then in, in our other group message. You know that initially you knew what my thoughts were on the hire. I thought, you know, just to be totally honest, I was like, I think it's a lazy hire. I think it's, it's a safe hire. Um, I think, you know, knowing what UK could have gotten in terms of making a sexy, flashy type hire, uh, I, I was really disappointed that it, it seemed like Coach Cal settled. Um, and I have very quickly turned around on that after talking to people at Indiana. Uh, you know, I've spent the last couple of days digging. I have a big feature coming out in here in the next couple of days when the actual uh, hiring is, is made official. Um, talking to guys at Indiana, it really turned me around on this guy because he they they could not rave about him enough about how you know just respectful he is what kind of just high class high character type guy he is said he i think two two or three guys told me there is not a better person within this basketball program than Bruiser Flint i promise you and uh, you know follow up text to him like i, I promise you Bruiser Flint is the best guy that you will ever meet in your life and said, you know, he's just so personable, knows how to talk to these kids, you know, just just like David, like you said, just a straight shooter, without a doubt, one of the best people in the business. I mean, shoot, he's been been in the game for 30 years. I mean, he was – and if you think about it, he was – Calipari's assistant at UMass from 89 to 96. That's seven years of, of, you know, comfortability for Calipari to know how he works, how he operates, how he is as an assistant, what he's like on the bench, what he's like on the, on, you know, the recruiting trail. He knows exactly what Bruiser Flint, Flint brings to the table. So when you think of, yeah, it's not a sexy hire. It's a, I mean, it is without a doubt a safe bet. But when it, in terms of that trust with Coach Cal, his respect nationwide, I mean, from, from just the, the best basketball programmers in America all the way down to the recruits, you know, the 17-, 18-year-old kids, this is a well, well-respected guy that has been in this business forever and knows exactly what he's doing. And so, I mean, I've, I've very quickly – you know, I, I still think that – Travis, I think you said it – perfectly it's a high floor you know I don't know if this is just you know I don't know if he'll ever get to that Kenny Payne level but David I also think you bring up a good point it almost feels like Kenny Payne light it does feel like it's that same you know that that trust that coach Kyle's going to have in him is is more valuable than you know being a young up-and-coming guy on the recruiting trail that you don't know you know you don't know if you can trust him to not cheat to not get caught up in oh well you know this other school down the street is is you know they have an offer out for him and then they're going to get him and we've been working so hard for him you know if I just throw just a little bit of cash at him I bet we can we can you know secure a commitment from him that type of stuff that recklessness that you get from young up-and-coming guys is not what you'll get with Bruiser Flint it's safe but it's also a smart bet higher uh, I don't think you're going to have to worry about anybody on a Kentucky staff being in federal court in, in New York City trying to cut a plea bargain with FBI and stay out of prison. Yeah. I think a lot of fans just found it, uh, like Jack said, a safe hire. It was the predictable hire that, I mean, it had already been leaked out there that that was the possible replacement. I think uh, Adam Zagoria said something about that in weeks yeah. past, but I think that a lot of people in 
within like the K- Kentucky basketball fans within uh, Big Blue Nation, they always want the big splash. Like if you get a fringe five star guy, they want a top five guy. Yeah. Um, even though the fringe five star guy could be Tyler Hero, that's a, a monster, or Shea Gilgis Alexander, four star. It's like the same could be said with coaches. Like this guy could be awesome. Uh, everybody wants like everybody's like oh Tracy McGrady is like Tracy McGrady's got a hell of a deal with ESPN <laughs> yeah or uh, Jalen Rose I mean Jalen Rose yeah has a hell of a deal Although with I, ESPN. I, I take Tracy McGrady too what I want to know is what is going to happen from here with the Kentucky coaching staff in terms of roles what's going to happen with you know is is Joel Justice going to move up to the number one spot you know was it because we know Kenny Payne was the associate head coach does Bruiser Flint come in and immediately take that associate head coach tag just kind of keep things as they are with with uh, you know Bruiser being the closer with Coach Cal and and Tony Barbie and, and Joel Justice kind of keeping those just pure recruiting role, uh, coach, you know, roles on the coaching staff. I, you know, I, I want to get your all's take and, and see what you think of, you know, Bruiser kind of jumping the other two guys that have been with the program already. Do you think that the other Kentucky coaching guys are, are going to be upset if he gets that associate head coach tag? Um, I haven't specifically talked to anybody about like what the order of operations can be within the coaching staff, but uh, Kentucky has had such continuity on their staff. Uh, like football staffs usually have a lot of turnover. Basketball staffs, not as much. Like you'd be surprised how often though, like college basketball and college football staffs have infighting with behind the scenes. Just um, like they think they should go after kids. They think they should do this differently. Like competitive infighting. And sometimes it can get nasty. Most of the time it's productive. Um, I don't know. I, I could see why some coaches would be ticked off about like they put in the work and then this guy comes in. But I mean, also that guy's earned Cal's respect for three decades now. So it's a, uh, I can see both sides of it. And like I said, I don't know what's going to happen in particular with this situation, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. David, what's your what's your take? Do you think uh, who, who do you how do you think the order of operations is going to go? What you know whether you have the inside information on it or not. What what's your gut? What's your gut tell you, and what do you hope happens? What do I man? That's a that's a hard question. Um, what do I hope happens? Um, let me ask you this: What do you think? Let's take. Let's take Bruiser out of it. What do you guys think the pecking order is right now between uh, Joe Justice and Tony Barbie? Ooh, um, I would say – I would probably say that it's Tony above Joel on the bench. But I think in terms of recruiters, I think it's easily Joel Justice is the – as the lead recruiter, I think I think with with this move, Kentucky will officially make Joel Justice the lead the the lead recruiter for everybody. I think he's going to be the the kind of he, he's going to be the guy that casts a wider net and kind of he reaches out to everybody and it's kind of kind of go from there. Uh, you know, obviously Tony Barbie's going to still do it. I mean, he's he's still uh, the lead recruiter on guys like Paolo and and stuff like that. He locked up Terrence Clark and you know some other big names in, in recent recent memory. So uh, I, I think they're going to both do a, a solid amount of work. But I just think at this point, Joel Justice is is he Joel Justice is Kentucky's lead lead guy on the recruiting trail. I think it's just uh, I think he 
he, he's established himself. He's done a great job uh, building that up, and, and I think he's he's earned that role without a doubt. Have you ever noticed you'll you'll look at you'll look at bios, and I look at a lot of coaches' bios, and you'll see guys who are associate head coach, and they might not have been that top guy you would have considered even on the coaching staff. Uh, so I think sometimes it's interesting that that guy that gets that associate head coach's role may may not be the guy on the coaching staff that you would normally think of. I guess of all things said, I mean, my first thought was Joel. And so that's why I asked what you guys thought about between Joel and Tony because uh, and I know he and Bruiser are really tight. But, you know, if he comes in just – cold off the streets from Bloomington and becomes associate head coach. Uh, to me, that'd be kind of, of a surprise. So I could say this uh, for anybody. And I'm not saying I'm disappointed in the Bruce or Flint hire. Uh, I'm not saying antennas went up, but if he came in and was named the associate head coach, I might have more antennas go up over that than I did, did with his hire. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that makes total sense. That I think that move would definitely kind of indicate that he was, you know, scratching his best friend's back type type thing. That yeah, you, yeah. You know, we've yeah. we've been we've been kind of having this in the works behind the scenes that if this day ever came, that you'd be my right hand man moving forward. It kind of it would kind of feel like that if that's what it ended up ended up being. And I you know I just think. I just think you got to give, even if he is technically second in line due to, you know, just longevity, history and coaching, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, it would make sense for him to have that role, but to be named that from day one, I just think that's, I don't want to say it'd be a slap in the face to the other guys on, on staff already, but it would just kind of be one of those things where it'd just be like, come on, like ease into that a little bit, you know, maybe. Right, let me ask you all something. Play devil's advocate here a little bit. I'm not saying I disagree with you all. I'm trying to just think outside the box. Say with somebody like Kenny Payne, who was coming in that had this recruiting prowess that Bruiser does not like. Let's say like we're not talking about Oregon Kenny Payne. Say it's Kentucky Kenny Payne. Like Kenny Payne's coming to Kentucky. He just landed all these five star recruits. We're gonna make him associate head coach. Would you all have a problem with it then? If Kenny <laughs> Payne came, let me ask you this: If Kenny Payne came in from Kansas, would we love him as much? as we do right now, knowing what he's done at Kentucky, we probably wouldn't. That's fair. Yeah. No, it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy. It's easy right now to look at hey, that. I love Bruiser. He put, he put uh, Archie in his, in his place on the bench. That was that, awesome. I was getting ready to say, that was one of my favorite moments from last year. Bruiser I mean, they, gonna put him they, in base, they basically got in a, in a, in a Indiana street fight, you know, on the bench. So it was yeah. fantastic. It was beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm, that's a really good question. I'm. Uh, hey, you, you know, Bruiser's gonna be the worst driver on the staff, though, since he's from Indiana. <laughs> that that would be that would be true. All right. That, okay. Well, I think we've I think we've had enough enough Kentucky coaching talk and and all that good stuff. I think we're gonna move on to the the kind of the big news of our show that we actually had to pause if. The audio kind of sounds weird that we're cutting off, that it kind of sounds off. Um, well, actually, we missed the NCAA thing. Let's, we'll, we'll talk about 
Bryce first, and then we'll go into the NCAA stuff to end the show before we move into our interview. Um, all right, so Kentucky, we literally just got off the phone with Bryce Hopkins' father. Uh, Bryce Hopkins is a 2021 four-star forward out of, uh, out of Illinois. Um, Kentucky has been picking up a ridiculous amount of contact slash interest over the last couple days. I believe KSR reported on Sunday night that that UK would have interest in the former Louisville commit. Travis, you reported on Monday that contact had officially been made and to make it even more interesting, Kenny Payne was the one that reached out, which just kind of fascinating considering Tuesday morning, less than 24 hours after the call was made, he ended up taking a job with the New York Knicks. Um, and then I was told this afternoon that, that Coach Cal called his father on Wednesday afternoon. And then tonight, uh, we just put out, by the time you're listening to this, this, this will already be out, Kentucky just wrapped up its virtual visit with Bryce Hopkins. Uh, so that's four straight days of established contact between both sides. Or I guess three, but plus one of, of you know interest being known that, that Kentucky would, would be interested in this kid. So, I mean – pretty significant news of how fast things it, it seems like things are moving and and you know just kind of this is a I mean you look at his rankings he is number three number 33 prospect in the 24-7 composite rankings which is obviously a grouping of of all the rankings combined uh holds offers from the likes of Wisconsin Indiana Louisville and, and Illinois new offers from Notre Dame Oregon and Providence since decommitting from Louisville so uh you know I think it's pretty significant of how how much contact is being made between uh, both parties, and and that John Calipari is the one to initiate the last two the last two uh, methods of contact. So, Travis, what are your initial thoughts on this kid, and uh, do you think uh, what do you think what do you make of Kentucky's newfound interest in in the four star prospect? We've talked about the last couple of episodes. We've talked about uh, Kentucky vetting other prospects like Davy Jones and other guys, and pretty much just kicking the tires. It seems I talked to somebody today close to the situation, close to the recruitment with a lot of knowledge of the recruitment. And he was telling me that it seems like it's a lot more than kicking the tires. And then he said, quote, Kentucky's really, really, Kentucky's really trying to get Bryce, man, is what he said. And I think that, like you said, the amount of contact in a short, short amount of time, there's definitely some interest. And it's interesting because right now he's the three man that UK is going after the hardest out of anybody in the class and just started – just our contact a couple days ago, like say Kenny Payne and Cal reached out, and then he had a he had a virtual meeting with Kentucky tonight. But I mean, his play his play. The um, Bocan just had a kind of like a combine setting with like all their players from like 2021, 2022, 2023. Eric Bossy said he was the best player on the floor, and they've got a bunch of guys like Kennedy Chandler. They've got a bunch of uh, up and coming four and five stars on. Um, throughout the rosters. So the thing with him is he's built to score. Like he can score the dang ball. That is what he does. He's not a great passer. He's literally my player comparison for him. I've talked to, I talked to somebody within the Mocan organization earlier and they said it was a great comparison. I'm going to toot my horn there for a minute. But, uh, <laughs> fantastic so, comparison on my part. Yeah, really, really well done yeah. on my part. I don't have to say it was just fantastic, <laughs> but uh, no, Jordan Wara, like the way that they move, they're not super athletes, but, They'll randomly Enough. dunk time to time. Yeah. Uh, Three-level score, uh, the way they shoot, the way they move, um, kind of like slow, but they're strong. Like they got a strong core, strong trunk. Just the way that they can just fill it up and like catch, catch fire within a minute, I think that's a really good comparison for him. And the thing is, I think uh, 
I don't know if you did you mention on here his his coach or I mean his dad said he's uh, six seven and a half now in shoes. We have not mentioned that yet. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if he's six eight or better in shoes now, uh, well, I'll say six seven because parent bump always goes up. Six seven is yeah, <laughs> yeah. But six seven, I mean, he's a guy that like he's two twenty. He can play a small ball four. He can be a stretch. He can be a stretch type of guy. I mean, PJ Washington was six seven playing the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he can. If he can mix it up and rebound, I definitely think he'd play some small ball four. But my question comes now: What is Kentucky's plan with all these guys? Because you got you get if if he was to come on board, you would have him. You would have most definitely probably have Cameron Fletcher and Dante Allen, barring a transfer. Uh, those are two other guys that could play the three and some small ball four in a pinch. Uh, we've talked about Cameron Fletcher. I feel like Dante Allen could if he added some weight, but. Like what? What's your plan? Where do you go from here? That's that's my thing. But it's kind of hard to turn down. He's one of the best scorers in in the twenty twenty one class, which is kind of barren of talent. Well, I mean, I think you got to understand that this is a you know, talking to his dad and talking to his his high school coach. He's currently ranked number forty one in the twenty four seven sports rankings, just the player rankings, thirty three overall in the composite. And talking to both of them, they both definitely you know made it clear that. If there was a if there was an AAU circuit, if if he was able to play EYBL this year with with Mocan, that without a doubt that he would be you know easily a top fifteen level type guy uh, by the time the summer was over. That this was kind of you know like last year. You know, try, I'm trying to think of a of a solid comparison, but like Devin Askew, hey, you know, had a big big EYBL that kind of made him bust into the scene that that can, guys like you know Kentucky saw him in Louisville and, and you know all that they were able to look at him look at him and be like ah there that's why this kid is ranked as where he is he maybe even needs to be higher right now is when you know a guy like Bryce Hopkins would get that evaluation and go ah Maybe maybe we did have him under rank. Maybe this is one of the best high school basketball, you know, best scorers in high school basketball. So um, I, you know, talking to both of them, they both you know made it clear that this was his summer. He was really looking forward to it. They're both really let down that he wasn't able to get that opportunity on the national stage. Let me add something real quick too, because it's something that makes me laugh every time I get on social media and I see these recruits. Everybody that is a recruit at the high school basketball level has said. COVID saved y'all talking about how, how good that they were going to do yeah. in AAU. <laughs> every, every player and every parent says that, but whenever you get two really qualified scouts, you got buff that was at the, uh, he's from Texas, uh, covers a lot of the Southern, a lot of uh, the Southern region. Mm-hmm. He was at the event. He raved about him. You got Eric bossy. Everybody knows Eric bossy. Uh, one of the best really, scouts in the game without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. Whenever he's saying it. Yeah. It's like, he's primed for a bump in the rankings. Yeah. So, but you know, D- David, we didn't get your take on it. What do you think of this kind of newfound interest and uh, just what you think of Bryce Hopkins as, as a player? I talked to Corey uh, Evans, uh, what's tonight, when Sunday, either Sunday night or Monday night. They're all running together. All days and are during this. His during comparison this. was to tell Johnson. Okay. And uh, uh, looking at, you know, that bigger you know, stronger wing, uh, and obviously he's probably got more size than Kelvin now if he's grown that much. But the thing he kept talking about was the six eleven to seven foot wingspan. Uh, so he's really long armed, a lot of versatility. <clears throat> I was looking at old interviews that uh, he had done before he committed, and schools really liked uh, that he could play multiple positions. So you know he's a guy who defensively. Can can guard 
a number of positions. It, it sounds to me you were talking about the small ball four, but as a coach told me once, you are who you can guard. You know, if you can't guard a four, you're not a four. So, you know, it, with his size, 220 pounds, and that kind of length, uh, that tells me he can guard a four. His, co- his, uh, his coach did, did – uh, and well, you're, you guys are about to hear uh, – fans are going to hear this, this interview, but, I don't, but you guys haven't heard it yet. Uh, but uh, he does have a six-foot six foot ten wingspan. So, okay, that, that, okay. Yeah, so. So, you know, so that, that's a, a baffle right there. And, you know, he can go – I don't know that he can guard points. I assume he can. But could definitely guard the two through the four. And then, as, as Travis says – you take a guy who was who came on as a small forward. A lot of times, the two and three are interchangeable. Uh, you move him to a four, so you've got a guy right there who may be able to play three positions on both ends. And is obviously very talented. And uh, the versatility is what John Calipari likes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like you say, there is the a log jam. So that's what they got kind of got to figure out. And, and it seems like. You know, when you're Kentucky and John Calipari, it's always delicate. You know, you've always you're always thinking about who's coming, who's going, and a lot of times it might look like a slam dunk. Well, why in the world don't they offer this kid? And usually, it's already thought out. You know, if they're if an offer doesn't come, they they kind of know why. But but like you say, I, I they're John Calipari is initiating a lot, showing interest, mm-hmm. and I talked to a. A, a recruit last night and you know they've not it sounds to me like calipari's putting a little bit more emphasis on on this one than another player who we've been following for a while yeah yeah um a couple other quick notes of, of substance before we move on uh his father did tell you know tell us that he is not in any rush to make a decision but he did make it clear that we could hear something within, you know, a, a month. So it's not going to be, you know, imminent. He's not going to make a decision in the next week or two. But this is not going to be a decision that he, you know, holds off and, and you know, a long, you know, waits it out. He's going to, you know, he said he could make a decision, uh, you know, right at a month from now. So that's something to keep in mind in, in terms of, you know, how fast Kentucky moves on an offer and, uh, and you know, how, how serious they end up getting – on that front, um, and you know, a couple other notes. The he said that the conversation lasted a little over an hour. He said that he was he was pushing six eight six six seven and a half right now. Um, but he did, he he said when I asked about whether or not Kentucky was going to offer in the very you know immediate future, he said that it it felt like Kentucky was going to slow play it a little bit and you know not rush to you know make any you know rash rash decision. They're going to you know, wait things out and then come to a decision on whether they're going to extend an, an offer uh, soon, but not imminently. So I'm under the impression that that things are, you know, picking up steam between both sides. I wouldn't call it serious yet, I, I don't think, but I do think that that uh, that things are picking up in the very near future, and, and we could we could see an offer sometime soon. And if that's the case, um, I you know we another thing we did talk about is that Duke was his his dream school growing up. And I know Kentucky fans always complain when a Kentucky guy get, says you know a Kentucky recruit says that Kentucky was his dream school because he always ends up elsewhere. So maybe this is the opposite effect that a a Duke dream school kid is going to end up at Kentucky. I was going to ask. What do you make? What do you guys make of it when you hear a slow play comment? 
And I guess uh, the whole thing, that's the thing that kind of stuck out to me when he said that. What do you, what do you guys make of that? Oh, um, I mean, to, on my end, I think it's kind of frustrating, but that's also why I'm not paid the big bucks. Kentucky has never been one to rush any recruitment. I think, I, I think it is, it is really interesting that you know, kind of, you know, you kind of know what Bryce Hopkins is as, as a recruit. Um, his, his films out there. I mean, he has really, really solid, impressive film. Um, but I mean, I just think that's how Kentucky operates. They're not going to rush, rush on anything, and and you know, make a decision that could potentially hurt them in the long run if another high-profile guy becomes available or or whatever the case may be. But it does seem like while things aren't serious, that things are moving in a in a forward, solid direction. And thing, and if an offer does come, that I think UK, I think UK would be right in the thick of things w- without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, I, talking behind the scenes, it sounds like he really wants to play for a blue blood school. There are some rumors about Illinois and some of those, you know, lower end, mid tier guys that he could be a star at. But I think behind the scenes that he, he would, he would rather go to a high profile blue blood type type school and Kentucky would fit that billing you know without a doubt so yeah uh, I, th- I think these next couple weeks with you know this next week in particular I think is gonna be really really interesting the, to see the thing about the one thing remember I'll throw this in uh talking to some people from Illinois I guess you could say that was his family school if I'm not mistaken I think his parents went there he had a, a cousin who just got out of grad school there and I was told that if you look at the family cars, they got fighting Illini bumper stickers all over them. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, Illinois is going to have a good team next year. You know, if we have a season, they're going to be preseason top 10 probably. Man, you are talking about a perfect segue, David. We, I mean, it's literally set me up perfectly for this, this next bit of news exactly why there is going to be a college basketball season because the NCAA said so today. In uh, one, I, I, I mean, last week we talked about it. The NCAA senior vice president of basketball, his name is Dan Gavitt, came out and his exact quote last week was, as long as basketball is being played safely anywhere in the world this season, we'll be playing college basketball. There's a bubble being played down in Orlando that's working to perfection. They just listed yet yet another week of, of out of like three thousand tests, zero came back positive. Uh, I mean that that bubble down in Orlando is working to perfection with the NBA, and it really seems like we are headed toward uh, you know the playoffs are about to start, and it seems like we're going to be able to crown a champion, a, a long time bubble champion for the first time. I know the 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 basketball tournament did a you know one month thing up in up in Columbus, but. This is the first working bubble that's going to crown a champion, and it seems like they are going. The NCAA is at least considering an idea like that, uh, you know, a bubble type scenario that would allow for a basketball season. Uh, and they confirmed that this this afternoon. They said that um, that it would have to be when classes are not, you know, in person classes are not being taken. It'd have to be during the virtual learning slash, you know, winter break. So it'd be mid November ish through December and in I guess into the, the beginning of January as well before students get back on campus that they'd be able to establish a bubble on, you know, on a college campus. So I think that's pretty freaking significant news and, and you know, that the fact that they are willing to do whatever it takes and I'm I'm pulling up the exact quotes right now. Um the Dan Gavitt said 
making sure we're, he said, um, we remain very confident that we're going to have a basketball season, albeit different and maybe altered if necessary. And then some of the other quotes, Mitch Barnhart, who is uh, on the, he's on the NCAA Division One men's basketball committee. He also came out and said, um, going through the, his quotes, um, he said, at the end of the day, we're going to find a way to play a championship and we're going to get through this thing. So it seems like everybody making these decisions uh, are, I mean, they're, they're definitely leaning toward doing that. Looking at the bubble quote, he said, um, there are some opportunities in the season as well, certainly when classes are in session, where a true bubble is just not a reality for college sports. But during the month of, of late November and into December, when most of our schools are in virtual learning environments and or after exams during the traditional holiday break, that it is potentially an opportunity to create regionalized and controlled environments in bubble-like scenarios for non-conference or conference games. So, um, You want me to be a wet blanket right now? Yeah, do it. It's going to depend up to it's going to depend on university presidents, not the NCAA. Not with college basketball, I don't think. I think football NCAA president. I think conference presidents make that call, but I think in basketball it is up to the NCAA. I, I think I could be totally wrong. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say this now, and I'm going to say the most controversial thing that's ever been said on this show. Oh God! Do I have to the dump? And let it get out of the way. Do I have to hit the dump, dump button here? This no, no. There's no <laughs> profanity. Nothing dirty. You know, okay. you can, you can, you can uh, listen to it at church. Okay, got it. Um, this is why they're going to play basketball because the election is going to be over. Uh, okay. And and I'm I'm just I'm just telling you. And listen, I've I've not. I'm not political. You can't. I, I you can't go into my Twitter feed and find anywhere where I'm political. And, um, I, uh, you wouldn't know, you'd have no idea from being around me, looking at any social media whatsoever and seeing how I, you know, what my opinions are. I talked to an, an, a, a big 10 and we actually started out where we were talking about Kenny Payne and, uh, talked about the big 10's football, uh, decision. I have we have never spoken politics. I have no idea if he's a Republican, Democrat. I couldn't tell you. We have never brought the subject up. But I told him I was really surprised by the Big Ten because places like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, the football coaches hire and fire the presidents and athletic directors. Yeah. And Great Tennessee, for example. I mean, they fired everybody in Knoxville because they, they didn't want Greg Shiano as head football coach. So he said, no, it's bigger than that, I'm telling you. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there's no, nah, there's there's political pressure. He said, you've got a lot of blue states up here. And he said, when Trump really comes out and pushes that they've got to have a season, the governors step in in some of these states, and they're not going to allow it. And I just, I don't know. That's his opinion, but he's there. I'm not. I'm just telling you what he's told me. Uh, and the election's going to be over, like I said. I, I think we'll get uh, where it's a, not a political issue after that, and I think a lot of stuff they gets back to normal. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't care what causes it. I don't care if it's politically motivated. I don't care what it ever, whatever it is. I'll take a college basketball season, however it's handed to me at this point. Um, I'm just, you know, it's been so exhausting going through and you know trying to battle. 
you know, battle back and forth about, you know, how a season will be played and, you know, college football and the every single day news updates. Well, they, they say they're moving forward as planned. Well, they've changed their mind. Okay, well, they're, they're still moving forward as planned. They just released the schedule five days later. Oh, season's canceled. You know, they, I mean, just with all the back and forth, I'm just – I have just been ready to have a final decision on, on any front. And uh, today's news, I think – with the NCAA specifically coming out and saying, yeah, we get all that, we understand all the concerns, but we're going to figure a way to get this thing done. That in itself was is, yeah, I think, really, really telling. I don't care as long as it is a, a healthy possibility for all the players involved, as long as, there's, uh, as it's not dangerous for anybody involved. I just want to see Terrence Clark and BJ Boston in the backcourt of Kentucky. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's, that's uh, I I mean, it's can we can we like go back and trade like uh Quad A Green's freshman season for this year <laughs> and then like play that back then. <laughs> I had that year during the pandemic. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um so speaking of that bubble idea, I you know, last week we went on this show and I think there were some very, very initial talks about bubbles and our first gut reaction was zero chance no way they're able to 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 work in a bubble and then i think john rossing came out or somebody i think the day after or two days after whatever it was came out with a report that said that there have been some preliminary talks about uh implementing a bubble uh, in you know a regionalized type bubble in in college basketball and i went on ksr and i wrote a full 2000 word breakdown of how a bubble would work in Lexington and you know to kind of start the article I was not convinced I was like yeah this is going to be another silly KSR article this isn't going to make any sense by the end of it I promise you I convinced myself that there is zero chance that that they wouldn't be able to do a bubble a bubble would 100,000% work at Kentucky or anywhere and you know I, I was just kind of doing a hypothetical joke almost about talking about Kentucky specifically it would end up being at a uh, you know a centralized location for the SEC with you know Nashville or Atlanta or something like that um, but going through if they if they so the exact dates that I that I said um, I believe it would be they they get to campus on November 14th okay so they get to campus on November 14th they quarantined for 14 days, the same thing that what the NBA did, and they, they would do intra-conference exhibitions starting Saturday, November 28th. The regular season begins a week later on Saturday, December 5th. If the, if the SEC moves forward with a typical like 18-game conference-only schedule or 20 games to, if they want to make it a round number, whatever the case is, they could finish you know, playing the typical two games per week like we see normally in college basketball, the Saturday-Tuesday model. Um, the league could finish by February 2nd. I mean, it's a two-month process. You could be in there and out of there in two months. Um, in terms of practice and game courts, there are like, a, you know, I think there's 14 total courts on, on Kentucky's campus between uh, like eight practice courts to use and I think like six, you know, six to ten, uh, legit, or I guess like six to eight legitimate game courts that they could use. I mean, you go down the list, uh, you, you can find it on KSR. It's pretty easy. But there's housing right next door, two hotels that, that could house um, plenty of people per 
per SEC team. Food is available. John Calipari talked about how they have a, a professional chef that are making box meals for the, for the players in UK's bubble entertainment. UK's or um, Lexington is building Lex Live across the street from Rupp Arena, which is like a big movie theater. It's a record-setting movie theater, biggest one in the United in, in Kentucky. A bowling alley, virtual reality, arcade, video games, all that fun stuff that Kentucky that you know college kids would want in in their lives during a two two month quarantine. You go down the list, there is just an infinite amount of opportunities for uh, for a potential bubble to to make it work. So, I think it would work. I don't know where it would be or how it would come to fruition. Are, are but, Instagram models involved? Uh, no, as we saw with the NBA, that that would not <laughs> be that would not be allowed on uh, you know in any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I, I think if there's if they are hell bent on making this season happen, it doesn't have to be Lexington again. This is just me being stupid and writing a you know two thousand word hypothetical about the possibility of Lexington as a as an option. Right, two thousand words. <laughs> No, but but if it's not Lexington, you could do it in Atlanta. You could do it in Nashville. You can do it at a, at a centralized, regionalized. You know, I don't even know if that's a, a word, but location throughout college basketball for every single conference in a conference only setting. You could get in and out in two months. No reason that we can't have a season if we get to that point. If we need to bubble, you know, set up a, a bubble. So I'm all for it. I think everybody else should be too. Um, all right, I. Um, I think we got through all we needed to talk about. If if uh, we need we need to talk about uh, we need to hit on uh, Sky Clark telling David that he's staying in twenty twenty. Oh, we do, quick. we do. Look at you, David, bringing breaking all this news that that we all assumed that he was going twenty twenty one, and you just can't help yourself but I'm, breaking uh, news on your own. I'm actually more uh, enthralled right now. I didn't know that it's been crazy at work, and I had no idea about the Dane Willard. Uh, um, Dust up with Skip Bayless, man. This is pretty good. It is. Are you yeah. not? Are you not paying attention to the teacher in class? Are you sitting there scrolling through your phone, being bored? How dare you? Don't take my phone up, sir. <laughs> oh, look at you, Mister Teacher. How, how ro- ro- roles are reversed here? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, he, uh, yeah, it caught me off guard uh, because we were just we were having a conversation, had no clue. Didn't ask really anything about the reclass. He just said, you know, I'm not, I mean, the reclass are staying. But he was just like, you know, I've decided to stay 2022. Uh, you're the first to know. So that when I, and I asked, so you're, you're telling me you're not reclassing. And I'll be honest, I've said this on the board. Um, you know, I was one of the ringleaders here of saying that he was going to reclass, just putting two and two together because – you know, he was taking all his senior core classes as a junior. You know, they didn't duck the reclass conversations. So, you know, I was really kind of caught off guard about it. And uh, now I think there's been some follow-up after that. I know Larry Vault talked talk to Kenny and, uh, and some others. And so, uh, you know, and they're saying, well, we're not going to say, you know, you never say never. So I think maybe leave the door open a little bit. So we'll see where we go. But Gordon Sky, you know, he has all intentions to stay in 2022 class. Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, Kenny Sky's father called me Tuesday, called me Tuesday evening, and was t- and was talking to me. He's like, "Yeah, I could I could see a commitment sometime sometime soon, like in, in a few weeks." Mm-hmm. And then 
It seems it seems like though he's letting Sky do his own thing because I think that he was wanting to push off a decision to reclass, which I mean he still very well may reclass. We've seen this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now Sky's talking about want to take visits and pretty much nobody in college athletics thinks that there's gonna be official official visits anytime soon. But what I was told was of uh, that they're wanting to get this recruitment kind of like out of the way, like just wrap it up, focus on training. Yeah. And you all know how, how strongly I feel about where he's going. And uh, eventually I'll be able to say why that is that I feel that way. But um, there's some things I can't, I can't talk about on the show or can't talk about in writing, but yeah, it's a uh, UK still in a phenomenal spot either way. UK, uh, his dad tells me UK want, still wants them for 2021. So, I mean, if they get their wish there, he'll be in 2021. But that, he said that they're rocking with them either way. So, um, I, you know, I go with what Travis said and just what he told me, and I'll back Travis up 100% on it. Well, oh, by the yeah. way, this was this was last Tuesday night, uh, uh, not this week. But, but still, uh, I'll still back you up 100% on it um, because, you know, it, it was weird, though, with the timing. And maybe just, just, you know, indicates what you're saying even more. Is like, and he said the same thing, you know, we're kind of tired of the recruitment, but yeah, yeah, he may go ahead and do this quickly. And, you know, he really talked about how they did want to take official visits and things like that. You know, you could commit, I guess, as a junior and see something and always change your mind, but it reminds me a little bit of Tyrese Maxey. That's true. I was in the same boat because Tyrese was in the reclass, no reclass deal. And he set a date very early, not this early, but I think it was like, you know, maybe spring of his junior year. He was in his junior year on whether he was going to reclass or move up. We all thought he was going to reclass and pick Kentucky. And he made his announcement that he was going to stay and he picked Kentucky as a junior. And that's what he did. And we're at the time, we're like, I said, just don't make sense. Why would you pick a school when you're a junior? But, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the same thing where you, uh, you know, you go ahead and make that decision. He moved up and went to Kentucky, and it appears Sky may stay in original class, and it, it looks like Kentucky's a strong favorite. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree. I think, it's a, I think that is a really interesting comparison because everybody knew that Kentucky was the answer for Tyrese Maxey. Same thing with Sky Clark. But it was about the win, and I think people just kind of assumed. I mean, the same same exact scenario with with Sky that everybody knows that he you know is college ready right now. He could play tomorrow if he really wanted to. But so they're just kind of using that thought process as reasoning for well, if he's ready to play right now, if he's college ready, it means he's obviously going to reclass. And I think people thought the same thing about Paolo Bancaro and you know other guys of that you know of that situation that if they're college ready right now why not you know why not make the jump and uh, this might be the same situation that we just you know we keep saying well just it would just make so much sense it would make too much sense he's been talking about it he's taking the classes academically to do so why would he not why would he not why would he not and then you know we get when it comes down to it it's just like hey, i'm not ready yet well i'm just you know. it, all, it all depends on development like i said last episode his dad doesn't want to throw him to the wolves um he wants him to that they envision themselves being one and done. If they don't think that they're ready to play college basketball for one year, 
which Kentucky thinks that he's ready to be on campus now. I'm here to say I've not seen anything. I've saw him about three times this summer, and I've not seen anything to make me think for a second he's going to go to college and and, and uh, get thrown to the wolves. I believe I believe he would do to eat him. And I know the G League is interested in him, but his dad consistently tells me that I, we're going to college, we're going to college, we're going to college, and like he's been straight up with me about a lot of stuff. So. He would be straight up. I, I assume he's straight up with me about that. But um, he said from the jump, ever since I started, ever since I started uh, contacting him, probably seven eight months ago, that he uh, that the plan was to go to college, and, he, and that the G League stuff's firmly been on the table. And something else, David, uh, Home, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say one thing. This is not one of those deals that was a Kitty Payne recruitment, and somebody else has got to jump in. I mean, this has been a Joel Justice mm-hmm. has been the lead guy on this since day one. So, and they, 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 the relationship's incredible there. Something else that, uh, Dave, if you want to tell the listeners, um, I was kind of not as optimistic as I have been before last episode talking about Jaden Hardy, uh, talking about how I wouldn't trade, if I was Kentucky, I wouldn't trade positions with any other college. And that, or, with saying that, that uh, some West Coast teams were really pushing and that the G League was firmly on the table. Uh, David, uh, me and you got a text the other day from the same from the same source. Uh, what? Tell everybody what, what that was saying. Basically, um, you know, Kentucky was in a – what was it? Kentucky was in a great spot, I believe it was. It wasn't even close. Wasn't that what was said? Yeah, that's that's what somebody texted me and David that the other day at the, like right at the same time and said, yeah, UK is the leader. Um, well, I think he worded it differently for you. He said that like UK for you. He said UK is the leader. It's not even close. And it says something like UK UK is still uh, still the firm leader is what he texted me. Yeah, not even close was words to me. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, seems like it seems to be you know West West Coast teams are really pushing and it's not perceived as a home run as it once was. I think that UK um, may have taken him for granted at one point. I don't know if that rubbed some people the wrong way or what, but I think that um, UK, like like I said, UK is still in a good spot, and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he, when's he, when's he playing an annou- announcement? Uh, Jaden has not scheduled any. I've not seen anything on it. They said it could go all the way until the spring Mm -hmm. is what Corey Evans and others. We still think, you know, the the big competition could be G League. Yeah. Yeah, The the biggest competition for me is G League uh, for Jaden. And then there's a couple of West Coast teams that are kind of hanging around. But I think it's UK or the G League, if you ask me right now. Things could change. But uh, I feel pretty strongly in saying that as of right now. Well, there you go. I think you know. I think it'd be a pretty solid, um, you know, start if if UK could if UK could wrap it up somewhat soon. You know, kind of push for a commitment, kind of do what they did with BJ Boston. And, you know, kind of do the same thing. Kind of last year, the same timeline would be to get a guy like Jaden Hardy to commit soon, and then you know, get a guy like Bryce Hopkins, who like Cameron Fletcher committed the weekend after after uh, B.J. Boston did last year. So to kind of start the class with that top 10 level guy and a B.J. Boston with, a you know, Jaden Hardy and then, a, you know, another kind of 30-ish type guy and Bryce Hopkins, the same thing that they did with, you know, Cameron Fletcher last summer. That'd be one heck of a way to start the class. And uh, as we saw this past year, uh, they ended they ended just as, just as strong as, as they started. So 
Um, obviously good things to look forward to, and, and momentum is still on Kentucky's side. Um, let's uh, With that, let's end that show right there, um, and we'll go to our interview with Bryce Hopkins, head coach at Fenwick High School, Stoughton Peck. He'll break down who he is as a player, uh, what he bring to the table at Kentucky, all that good stuff. Really awesome interview with him. Uh, but before that, where can fans find your all's work? You can find David and I's work on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals. And David? And I'm Coach David Sisk at Twitter. And by the way, Travis, uh, you're not going to win as much money this week. The Wyndham Championships take Webb Simpson at 10 to 1. He's going to win. I'm telling you right now. Oh, should, uh, should I just go on stack and put the three grand that I won and put it on? on yeah, Web? you're only going to win 1000 this week. I'm sorry. Webb Simpson, 10 to 1. Brendan Todd's my middle pick at 28 to 1. And I'm taking Harold Barner at 85 to 1. So that's my three. That's my, my mid range, my long shot, and my legit guy. Hmm. There you have it. There you, you go. Well, you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we will be back next week for another jam-packed Sources Save podcast. We will see you then. Enjoy this, this interview with Fenwick head coach Staunton Peck. Well, uh, just kind of first and foremost, what is, you know, what is Bryce Hopkins like as a, you know, as his coach? Um, well, so, you know, as a, as a person, he's a, he's a great kid. Um, he's got two great parents, you know, um, I think a lot of times, as I'm sure people in Kentucky are aware with these high level players, sometimes you have parents that can be over-involved and over, overly opinionated, but that's never been the case with, uh, with Bryce. So he's got you know, great family support. Um, and then as a kid, he's a, you know, he gets along with everybody at the school. He's always has a smile on his face and, and, uh, so you know when when somebody's as a good a player as he is to, to you know he kind of he walks through the hallways you know with humility and and treats everybody he talks to uh, with respect. So there's not a lot of big time in his personality. Um, but you know once he gets on the floor, I think Bryce in many ways is kind of like the um, to, today's version of a basketball player. You know, positionless basketball. He. Uh, He's about six six, and he's got huge hands, and I think about a six ten wingspan. Um, and but he and he has a big body, but he has guard skills. You know, he handles the ball like a point guard. Um, when smaller guys are on him, you know, we cut him into the post, and they can't guard him. And when bigger guys are on him, they can't handle his uh, you know, quickness on the perimeter. So I think, um, in terms of a basketball player, he can kind of offensively he can play. You know, I even think at the next level, possibly one through four positions, because mm-hmm. uh, he's got that, you know, um, strength um, to get inside and also the perimeter skills. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think he's got his, I mean, he's got a really good shot for, uh, for a bigger guy. I think, you know, last season he had, I think, four 40 plus point games um, where, you know, he's hitting threes and, and attacking the rim in a lot of those games. So, um, yeah, and it, we played pretty – I mean, we didn't play a national schedule last year, but we played – you know, some of the, we, played, we played Simeon, which is a perennial Chicago power, and beat them pretty handily. And Price had 41 points, and 
um, in our holiday tournament. You know, he was a uh, runner-up for MVP only because we lost in the, in the semifinals. But, you know, in the third-place game, he had 44 points and had a buzzer beater to win the game. So he's, uh, you know, against big opponents, he's he's played, uh, you know, really well. And, you know, as a junior last year, he was first-team All-State. He broke the single-season scoring record for Fenwick High School. Scored, I think, 835 points or something, and and uh, which broke Corey McGetty's single-season scoring record. Um, you know, he broke it as a junior. So um, he's a, he he can score, and um, he can score against good competition. So you know, a lot of the, when we go into there's the scouting report for for our team, a lot of times was teams were trying to stop Bryce, and um, you know, when you have a whole team or a coach trying to figure out ways to stop you and you still can score a lot. Um, you know, obviously that's a good sign for, uh, I think his abilities on the next level. And then, and then finally, I do think that, um, he's got tremendous upside. So I don't think he's reached, uh, the potential he can reach, um, just in terms of, uh, you know, he is, a. I think he could be even, uh, stronger and you know with the college uh strength and conditioning nutrition program he can get even stronger and, and more athletic and even better so um it, it kind of okay. you know, t- talking to people behind the scenes and you know basketball circles aau high school circles it kind of feels like this you know bryce would have been the like the perfect opportunity guy for for an aau season this year to to kind of blow up and be that one big name to go from the you know 30s and 40s you know that that type of you know ranking range to anywhere from you know 15 20 you know maybe even pushing you know 11 12 13 that type of range that he seemed like he was primed for a a, a huge breakout summer uh, in, in terms of just pure rankings and and it kind of seems like he's kind of flying under the radar because he he hasn't gotten that summer you know that that summer um, you know national publicity that he he would have gotten with, with without COVID obviously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With many, I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways, I think. I mean, if he can be underrated, I think he's a little underrated. Um, you know, we played Max Christie last year, who's the number one ranked, the number one uh, junior or class of twenty twenty one in the in the state of Illinois and. You know, Bryce had 36. I think Max had 30 or something. But, you know, he seems – he plays – I mean, I, I'm biased on his coach. But, <laughs> um, I don't think there's a better player that we've played yeah. than Bryce. Um, so, I haven't played everybody in the state. But, um, yeah, and, I, you know, you know, another thing that's – you know, when Bryce was a freshman, we uh, – at Fenwick, we had um, seven guys returning from the year before. And Bryce – you know, came in pretty, you know, I wouldn't say highly touted, but he was. I mean, people knew he was. And he didn't really play. He barely played at all. And he played a lot on the sophomore level, which is in Illinois, that's what you'd play if you didn't play varsity. But he played a little varsity. He played both. And <clears throat> I never felt like the the response was like, I'm going to transfer or go somewhere else. Or was, he never went home to his parents and, and complained about what was happening. And their response was like, well, maybe we should go somewhere else. They were their response is always, you know, work harder, get better. And I think that attitude um, is something that's going to really help him, you know, help him get better every year and has helped him play with like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I think if he'd had the, 
the spring and summer seasons this year with uh, Mocan, I think you would have, you know, opened even more eyes. And, um, but, you know, I think, uh, if people would come to watch him play last year with our team, you, they would have been pretty impressed. Gotcha. So, and, and I think he's gotten better. So, yeah. And I think I just talking to him and some of the guys who were down at, for the Mocan workouts when uh-huh. he was there, a lot of people thought he was the best player there. So, Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a stacked Mocan squad too. So that's, that's yeah. obviously saying, saying something, you know, and, and on that kind of note, everybody knows the Louisville situation and, and kind of what, I mean, there were kind of some rumblings going back to this, you know, early spring that this could be something that, that unfolded with, with, you know, him potentially looking at his other options and all that. Um, I mean, it seems like as soon as he decommitted from Louisville, you know, Oregon offered Providence, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I think he's gotten a couple, mm-hmm. you know, a couple other serious looks. How, you know, do you think that, that, the, you know, that this is a blue blood, talent that that he would fit at a school like Kentucky or a Duke or a you know one of those type schools do you think that would be a, a you know a solid fit for him yeah I think I mean I don't think anybody would say no one would say if, if Kentucky or Duke or you know North Carolina offered Bryce Hopkins what are you doing so I think for sure and I think that's you know I know with Kentucky and even Duke sometimes you know they've been the, the one and dones have been you know, big news for them, but I think uh, Bryce. I don't. I don't. You know, he, he, I don't think that's absolutely what he would be. But I do think um, Bryce is an NBA talent. So, um, and I think is like I said before, his upside is huge. So I would I wouldn't be surprised if his sophomore, junior year in college, he's one of the best. I mean, one of the best players in the country. That I mean, that's just my feeling. Um, so I think he'd be a good investment for the best college programs in the country. I mean, so I, I, I like when Louisville got him, I thought they got, in my opinion, like a, a little bit of a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you were saying, if if he had waited, I think more programs would have come around. So. Well, what do you think he I don't is? Know if that answers your question. It, oh, it does. It does definitely. What What do you think he's looking for? You know, have you talked to him since the decommitment? And uh, you know, what do you think he's looking for in this next step? And you know, on that note, have you talked to him about this Kentucky interest and and this? Uh, you know, I believe by the time um, I put put this stuff out on you know on on this interview that I think the co- the conference call will have already happened. So, do you know what what that? contact has been like with Kentucky and what he's looking for uh, personally with, with his next step in his recruitment? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I know he's talked to uh, – his dad talked to Coach Calipari for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, when, I, when, it, when he – you know, first of all, when he left Louisville, I don't think there was any hard feelings between, you know, Bryce, his family, and, you know, Coach Mack over at Louisville. I think they kind of get their situation. They don't like it, and uh, – but they're they're not holding any grudges against Bryce. So, um, and, I, and I think I think just like um, when he committed to Louisville, I think he's looking. He felt comfortable with their coaching staff. Felt like they were they were high on him. They showed a lot of interest in him. He felt like he had a you know like it was a good family, good place for him to spend his college career. And um, I just remember him saying he just felt really comfortable with. Uh, you know, Coach Mack and Coach Murray. So I think, and with opening it back up again, I don't think he wanted to open it back up again, but it's mm-hmm. just, um, that's what he kind of had to do. I, I think it was a smart thing to do. Um, so I think he's looking for the same thing. He's trying to find some place where 
he feels comfortable with the coaches and um, feels a, a click in a relationship. Um, so, and I, and I think, you know, just like most players at his level, his ultimate goal would be a place to prepare him for, you know, the next level and to play professionally. So um, obviously a place like Kentucky, that doesn't hurt. Um, I think when you, if you're a, a basketball recruit going to Kentucky or Duke um, or whatever, North Carolina, automatically you're on NBA, you know, GM's radar. So, um, but I don't think that's, you know, I, I didn't get from him that I, like that. That's my top priority. Like, I just need to be on, you know, professional radars. I think, yeah. I think the uh, relationship with the, the coaching staff is, is important to him. Do you get the sense that that he's going to want to, you know, kind of not rush, but kind of you know reach a decision quickly, or do you think with all the stuff going on that he's just going to kind of take take st- things one one step at a time and and can just kind of reach a decision whenever he feels most comfortable? It could be you know in a week from now, it could be you know four months from now, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's a. I don't think he's put a time frame on it. I think, like you said just now, when he feels comfortable with it that he found a place that, um, that that has that relationship that he's looking for, I think he'll make a decision. So that could be, I mean, I'd be surprised if it was in a week, but it could be, you know. Gotcha. Um, I think I, there were some rumblings kind of behind the scenes that uh, his dream school might actually be Duke of all of all places. You know, obviously, me being a Kentucky Kentucky outlet, that that's uh, that's yeah. something Kentucky fans wouldn't want to hear. But there, yeah. there there are some rumblings that that Duke would be the the uh, favorite school if that offer did did get that that way. Do you, do you know if that's you know if that's the case or? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to him about. He hasn't really told me. We haven't had discussions about. I don't. I don't want to speak for Bryce. So, on that, I think he can. Um, he hasn't really. We've talked about schools, and I think I feel like when I have camps with my kids, I ask kids what their dream school is, and half the kids in the place say Duke. So, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure some kids that some elite players that have gone to Kentucky when they were growing up there their dream school is Duke. So, well, um, that's, that's kind of a running joke at, at Kentucky. There's, there are all these kids that grow up and say, Oh, Kentucky is my dream school. And they always end up at, at Duke or all these other, yeah, you know, Jalen, exactly. Jalen so, Johnson was one that he, you know, he kind of got headlines by saying, Oh yeah, Dr- Kentucky is my dream school growing up. And then he of course uh, goes the complete opposite way and goes to Duke. Yeah. So it, uh, obviously that's just kind of, you know, talk, that's, talking that's, with kids. <laughs> yeah. That's where I think that, uh, the important thing is, and I remember, I remember, you know, when Bryce came into Louisville, one of the things he was big on is that, you know, I want people that like were have interested in me and are invested in me and like confident in what I can do. And I think that's one of the things he said about Louisville. Like if somebody comes along later on in a year, like Kentucky or Duke, like they weren't there when Louisville was there. That was kind of his his thing like they, they were really invested in me so that, that goes back to what i'm saying like when he feels comfortable and and like he has a uh, a coaching staff that really has his back um i think i think that's going to be you know uh, big for him he's got i mean like i said before he's got like i mean i mean if you use femwick as an example i mean we're a, a pretty good basketball school but we're not you know img we're not mm-hmm, yeah. um 
So, but Bryce has Bryce has gotten contacted from schools every year since his sophomore year, and he's still at Fenwick. So, I think that says a lot about you know Bryce as a person. It says a lot about Bryce's family and uh, you know loyalty. And when you commit to something, you you finish it. So that that kind of kid and person, I think, uh, is going to be great for any any college program. And I, I I have no doubt that if you went to Kentucky or Duke or any of those places, that he would add to the culture and and uh, you know succeed. So, and I, I mean, you know, he's obviously he's crazy talented as a basketball player too. But um, I just think as a person, he's a he's a he's high level and he's got. Um, you know, and that's not an accident. He's got great parents. So.